John chapter 6, the Bible says, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed Him, because they saw His miracles, which He did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into, the mountain, into a mountain, and there He sat with His disciples. In the Passover, a feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up His eyes and saw a great company come unto Him, He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread, that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him and said, Philip answered him, two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here. Amen. And thank God there was. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, anyway, but which had five barley loaves. And two small great and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, "Make the men sit down." Now there was such much grass in that place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to his disciples, and the disciples then were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Amen. And when they were filled. He said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Let's pray. Father... I come to you this morning, Lord, as humbly as I know how, asking you, Lord, to help me. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, for this the last nearly 20 years. You've helped me time after time and time again. But Father, I'm no more fit today to stand and to preach without your touch than I was the first time I stood. And I pray, God, that for a little while, you would take our hearts and minds off of the troubles of our lives and the troubles of this world and help us, Lord, to think on things above. And I pray, God, you'd use this great miracle that your son wrought, Lord, 2,000 years ago and teach us something today to help us in the times in which we live. Father, above all things, I ask if there's one amongst us lost today. Lord, I know there's more than one here that needs to be saved. God, I can't save them. If I could, I would have saved them a long time ago. But I pray you'd convict their heart and draw them. I pray you'd trouble them, Lord, down to the bottom of their soul and help them, Lord, to turn to you and run to you for salvation today. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen and amen. This story, now when I read my Bible, I, I, I don't know how you do. I hope you do read your Bible. But when I read my Bible, you know, uh, one thing is, and I'll help, we got more preachers now, so I want, I'll say this for them. When you read your Bible, you need to feed your own soul first. And, and you can't always, if the only thing I ever do is read, if, I, if the only thing I ever do is read my Bible to get a message, then I'm going to become a poor Christian myself. But I can't help but when I'm reading my Bible, it's hard for me to turn the preaching side of me off. You understand what I'm saying? 
And I've, I was reading this chapter this week. I've read it every day trying to just get it in my heart. And there's so many, so many phrases in here that a man could preach about. I thought about there in verse number, uh, verse number eleven, where it, it, it says that, uh, or in verse number six, where it says he knew what he would do. Amen. Amen. And man, I thought that's what I'm going to preach about. He knew what he would do, and I will preach. In fact, you're probably going to get all these messages in one sitting today. Amen. You're going to get volume one, two, three, and four. All there's going to be no season to wait. It's not like them TV shows do. Hang you out on a thread and make you wait a year. You're going to get it all today. But verse number eleven, it says that they had as much as they would. And boy, I thought, man, that's what I need to preach about. As much as you will, as much as you want, and uh, and anyhow, I said no because I got down to verse number twelve, and I. So this is what I'm going to preach out. He says, nothing be lost. That nothing be lost. I said it a minute ago. Jesus is not in the losing business. Amen. Amen. He's not a loser. He never has lost and he never will lose. Amen. And thank God. But then I said, no, there's something else. I got down to verse 13. And it says, over and above. And I thought, man, I can preach on that. Over and above. Isn't that the way the Lord is? He always does for us over and above. He does over and above what we need. Over and above. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, down to Him, that's to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. I said, praise God. I'm going to preach on that. But then the Lord said, no, we need to go back to verse number 9. Now y'all got a little bit of that. You may get some more later. But verse number 9. This phrase here is really stuck in my mind. It says there's a lad here, which, and I, oh, I forgot that one. I was going to preach on that one too. There's a lad here. But anyhow, it says verse number nine, but what are they among so many? What are they among so many? And this morning, with the help of the Lord, that's why I'm going to preach on. What are we among so many? Or what are they among so many? What we find here in John 6 and I want to say this. I'm glad that I can be transparent with the Lord. I am. I'm glad that I can ask Him anything. What I'm saying is, the Lord never rebuked Philip, and He never rebuked Andrew for saying what they said. In fact, listen this morning, I'm glad that I can go to the Lord. And I don't have to try to impress him. I don't have to try to convince him to like me or love me. But I can just let it down and let go and tell him what's on my heart. And Andrew looked at this little boy with his little sack of food. And he said, Lord, we've got this. But this is nothing compared to what we need. You see, there was an insurmountable need. And there was an insufficient supply. And this morning I can't help, but when I read this, I can't help but think of the situation we're in right now. Every one of us this morning have things in our life that we cannot overcome. We cannot, uh, we cannot solve it. We cannot. There's needs. And by the way, God puts these needs in our life that are beyond us, that are beyond our supply, that are beyond what we can do. And here they are, these 12 disciples in the Lord and a great host. Some people believe there's over 10,000 there. Uh, but listen, a great number. And they've got a little lunch and Peter Andrew says Lord what is this among all this you know what is this 
You know, there are 7 billion people on the, in the world. Think about that. That's mind-blowing. 7 billion. And, and, and it's hard to imagine, what are we? A little church out here in the middle of nowhere. What are we among so many? I had a man this week. I had Ginger down there at... Um, and uh, she was, uh, where were we? Oh, we was down and, and she was t- taking, she was hitting, hitting lessons for softball. And a man come in and his daughter, uh, I, she had never been with her before. And uh, the man, that get, he said, hey, there's another preacher. He said, we got two preachers here tonight. So he honestly said, he said, and by the way, I, sometimes I try to keep that quiet because when you say you're a preacher, I mean, listen, one or two things are going to happen. Either people are going to act real weird around you. Yep. Because they act like you're an alien or something. Or number two, they're going to ask you questions. And I don't like answering questions. I really don't. They're, and they're going to ask you hard questions. They don't ask you easy questions. Like, you know, but they're going to ask you them hard ones. Them, them, them ones that they don't know and nobody else. But this man began to talk. And he said, so you pastor, what's the name of your church? And... Uh, I told him, he says, well, are you a part of the Graves County Association or which association are you a part of? And, and, and by the way, I've got no bone to pick with the association. I've got good brothers. that are. But I told him, I said, oh, we're not, we're not a Southern born independent. But I said, you know what he did? He started laughing at me. He said, I thought that was something. That, I thought that. I didn't even know there was such thing as that anymore. And boy, I'm just telling you, I felt like picking up one of them bats and playing bass. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lord, help me. But, but you know, it felt in my heart. I thought, you know, what are we among so many? What are we among these huge, large uh, outfits? That I mean, listen, what are we? I'll tell you what we are. We're precious in the sight of the Lord. I'll tell you what we are. What Pete, what Andrew found out, and what the disciples found out is that they were enough for Jesus to work a great miracle. What are we among so many? I'm thankful this morning that Jesus can take my little and can do a whole lot. And this morning He can do the same for you. He can do the same for us. And I want us to look quickly in verses 1 through 4. Notice the bunch that followed Him. There was a crowd following Jesus at this time. Jesus was a very popular man. John the Baptist had just been killed. Uh, Herod was wanting to see Jesus. The whole world was wanting to see Jesus. He was a popular man. He got on a boat uh, to get away from the crowd to go and rest for a little while. And when he got to the other side, the crowd was waiting on him when he got there. There was a bunch that followed him. And I want us to look real quickly at this crowd. There's, There's three types of people in this crowd. The Bible says in verse number 2, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. This first crowd is what I call, and by the way, I think that one of these three, they're here this morning. The first crowd is what I call the sightseeing crowd. The Bible says they were there because they saw his miracles. These people, I'd say they're what I'd call the curious crowd. They were there because they want to be entertained. They were there because they wanted something to satisfy their flesh. They were amused about the miracles of Christ. They were walking by sight and not walking by faith. 
This morning, there's many like that in our churches today. Our churches are full of people who are simply following Jesus to see what's the next thing He'll do for them. What's the next thing He'll give them? What's the next thing He'll provide for them? Now, quickly, the thing about this crowd is, though, they don't follow for long. John 6.66, you can read it later on. The Bible says, from that time... Many of them went back from following him. Brother David, they didn't follow for long. Because when the fireworks stopped going off, when the miracles stopped happening, and when Jesus cleared off the spot and stood up and preached to them and said unto them, I am the bread of life. I am that bread come down from heaven. They were offended by the truth because they had no faith. They were walking by sight. And this morning, as I'm sad to say, I feel the majority of people that claim to know the Lord are simply there for their own benefit. Amen. Then it says in verse 3, and Jesus went to a mountain there. He sat with his disciples. So we got the sightseeing crowd. But in verse 3, we got the sitting still crowd. Now probably the sightseeing crowd didn't care much for the sitting still crowd because the sightseeing crowd they're always, anyhow, I want to be nice this morning. But the Bible says they went up to a mountain and his disciples sat there with him. These were the ones that were with him before he ever worked a miracle. They were the ones that were following him, Brother Ty, not for what he could do, but for who he was. When he followed them, when they followed him, they followed him by faith in the word that they had heard that he was the Messiah. He was the Savior. He was the Son of God. They were there with him. And they were there with him after chapter 6. They were there with him. And I know they all made mistakes and they all failed. But you can look in the book of Acts and they're still with him. They're still walking with him. I want to be a part of that crowd. The ones that don't follow Jesus for a miracle or to see a miracle, but simply want to be in His presence and be around Him, not for what He can do, but for who He is. But then there was a crowd here. There was a crowd here that's searching. That's searching for something. That great company that come. There was a great company that were hungry. They were tired and they were afraid. John the Baptist had been killed. Their emotions were running wild. I mean, listen, their bodies were weary and tired. And there they were. But the truth of the matter is, they had come to the right place because what they were searching for was standing there before them. And this morning, maybe you have something in your life that you're longing and needing and wanting. But thank God we're in the right place. There was a bunch that followed him. And oh, I want to be in the crowd though. I don't know how you feel about it. I want to be numbered with those that follow him when the miracles are happening and when the miracles are not happening. I want to be in the ones that will walk walk with him through dry times. We'll follow him through hard times. I want to be in that number that will go to the Garden of Gethsemane.
family and watch him pray and his sweat become great drops of blood. I want to be in that number. I gotta watch him down the cross. You see, everybody wants to be around when it's feeding time. Yeah. Right. yeah. But I want to be like John the Beloved. They stood there in the shadow of the cross when all men forsook him, when they all had run away, and he stood there. And Jesus looked upon him and said, Behold thy mother. Oh, listen, I want to be that type of disciple. Too many of us are simply here for 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 for, for material reasons, for social reasons, because we want everybody to think we're a good Christian. But I want to be one of them that follows him for him. Verse 5, we see the burden that was felt. The Bible says when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come to him. I'm a, I'm not gonna, we're going to get to this, but quickly. The Lord Jesus, could, listen to me, he couldn't help himself. Brother David, everywhere he went, he saw a need. And listen to this. It was never his own need. It was always somebody else's need. And oh how the Bible says, and, and by the way, Jesus saw this great company. Not only did he see them as a group, but I believe he saw everyone individually. He knew each one of their names. He knew how many hairs was on their head. He knew how far they had walked that day. He knew how long it had been since they ate. He knew how tired they were. He knew the burdens they were carrying. He knew the problems they were facing. He knew everything about them. And when he saw them, he, got, he had a burden with what he saw. Amen. What he saw. What he saw. Jesus. Listen, compassion is not something Jesus did. It was something Jesus was. Know how we need to see people. We need to see their burdens. We need to see their pain. We need to see, listen, we need to behold them and not turn our eyes the other way. Listen to me. We ought to be broken right now for our nation. We ought to be broken right now. And for all that's going on, it ought to burden us. It ought to break us. But instead, I see people that are shaking their fists and, and it's not compassion they've got, but it's anger and malice and hate and, and vengeance. And, and listen, God, God, help us to see like he saw. Amen. What the way he saw, the words he said. He said to Philip, He said to Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? I want to ask you, where could they buy bread to feed 10,000? You want to know what the answer is? Nowhere. Go to Walmart. I don't like going there, but you go. And say, I need enough bread for 10,000. They're not going to have enough. In fact, you could go to, I don't know, is there bunny bread around here? Colonial? I don't know what y'all, I don't even know. I just eat it. I don't, there's, there's horse fire. Everybody pay attention to me though. Anyhow, I don't know where you could go right now at this moment. You could go to the very bakery itself. You could go to the, to the, the to, and say, I need enough bread to feed almost 10,000 people. And I very, I very seriously doubt if they would have enough to even come close. But what Jesus was trying to say is we're not going to buy this bread. This bread's not coming from bunny bread. It's not coming from colonial. It's not coming from a bakery 
on earth. It's going to come from the coffers of heaven. And listen this morning. Whatever our problems are. And whatever our burdens are. We don't need to worry about finding the solution here. It's not here. It comes from up there. The wisdom he showed. It says. He says this to, in verse 6 to prove him. For he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> and no, the disciples didn't know what they was going to do. In fact, you know what the disciples said? Let's send them home. Yeah. You can read it in your own time. Mark chapter 6, I believe it is. It, it, this miracle, and by the way, this is the only miracle that's recorded in all four gospel records. Brother David, the disciples, this was their, this was their, this was, the, this was their remedy to the problem. Let's just send them home. Amen. Amen. Let's put, let's let it, let's let them worry about it. We'd rather not even do it. Lord, we're just, Lord, let's just send them away. We didn't promise them. We didn't advertise this meeting and say we're going to give everybody bread. We didn't tell them we was going to have food. We didn't advertise that there was going to be dinners on the ground. Lord, just send them away. But aren't you glad Jesus knew what he was going to do? And listen this morning. He always knows what he's going to do. When we don't know what to do, he knows what he's going to do. And listen, the disciples couldn't see it. They couldn't understand it. But oh, what wisdom. And what wisdom he had. He knew exactly what he would do. Amen. I don't know what I'm going to do with some things in my life. But he does. Everybody wants answers, you know. How can we do this? And how can we do that? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? I had a person this week tell me. They said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? If they, if they come and start finding y'all like they are, these churches in California, what are you going to do? I said, you know what? I don't know. But I know Jesus knows. Amen. And listen to me. This morning, I'm glad He knows what He's doing, aren't you? I'm glad when I don't know which way's up or down. When I'm glad I can't tell my left from my right. I'm glad when I don't even know where I am and what I'm doing. I'm glad in heaven the Lord knows what he is going to do. Amen. He knows what He's going to do with your life. He knows what He's going to do with your burdens. He knows what He's going to do with your problems. He knows what He's going to do with your prayer. He knows what He's going to do. The Lord Jesus has never been taken off guard. Did you know that? He's never been taken by surprise. He knows the end from the beginning. He sees all things. He knows all things. But better than that this morning, He's above all things. Amen. And listen, the Bible says, In Him the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. He's an all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful Savior. Amen. Amen. Verse 7, we see the bill that was figured. So Philip starts counting. He says, He said, 200 penny worth the Lord ain't going to feed him. And by the way, following Jesus, you're not always going to formulate an answer. You know how much 200, I know y'all have all heard it. You're probably just ready to take a nap right now. But I'm enjoying it. It's helping me. Because you know what? I'm just sitting here thinking about this crowd that was there and they're hungry. And here's these disciples. They can't fix it. They can't solve it. But Jesus is in the middle of it all. And, and I know what's about to happen. But Philip said 200. That was two-thirds of a, man, a man's wages for a whole year. The disciple that was selected was Philip. But, but listen, why did Jesus ask Philip and not Peter? Probably because he knew what Peter would say. And he was, there was women and children there and he didn't want to hear what Peter would say. <laughs> Peter was a sailor and sometimes he talked like one. 
Why didn't he ask the others? Why Philip? The Bible tells us that he did it to prove him. To prove him. I believe that he asked him, but first off, to measure his progress. Follow me. When we talk about proving our faith, listen, when we talk about proving our faith, proving our, we're not proving it to God because God knows if we're real or not. Right. He knows if we're true or not. <laughs> the, trial of jo- the trial of Job was not to prove to God whether Job was real or not. God knew Job was real before the first child died. God knew Job was real before the, the storms come, before the surf, before all that. God knew Job was real before he says the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. But God knew that Job was real. But God wanted Satan to know that Job was real. God wanted Job's family to know that he was real. And God wanted Job to know that Job was real. And these proven times in our life are not unpleasant times. I can imagine, Philip, this is what I've been thinking. Lord, why are you picking on me? Why are you picking on me? Where are we going to buy bread for all these people? What kind of question? How am I going to answer that? But he was doing it for a reason to prove him. He was doing it to prove to him his progress. What he was telling him is this. Listen, Philip, you're not near as far along as you think you are. Listen, y'all. None of us are as far along in our walk with God as we want others to think. I know that hurts people's feelings when you say that, but it's true. You see, the person that I am in my mind and in my own in my own way I think, the, 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 the person I think I am and the person I actually am. One man said it like this, there's, there's three of you. There's the one that others think you are. There's the one that you think you are. But then there's the one God knows you to be. Yeah, right. And only one of those is the real you. And what he was saying is, Philip, I appreciate you following me. You can go back to John 1 and read about when Philip come and, and began to follow Jesus. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're following me. But Philip, I want to prove you with a question. I want you to know that you're not near as far as you need to be or as you think you are. Verse 8, there's a boy that was found. I've got to hurry. It says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here. You know what Andrew was? He was a finder. John 1, 40 and 41, the Bible says that Andrew found his brother Simon. Now think about this. Andrew, Ty, had no idea what a big deal it was when he brought Peter. Andrew didn't know that in about three and a half, four years that Peter was going to be preaching in 3,000. So he had no idea that Peter was going to be the spokesman for the early church on the day. He had no idea that that Peter, all Peter was, was a roughneck fisherman. I mean, as I mentioned, foul mouth, roughneck, hard, no, strong. I mean, rough man. And I believe Andrew had a burden for him. He, Andrew said, this is the one. This is the Messiah. And Brother David, he said, I can't follow him without going and telling my brother Andrew and my brother uh, Peter, 
brother Simon and he went and he found him. He said, come see the man. He said, I found him. I found him. And oh, listen, while Philip was busy counting money and trying to figure out how to pay for the fish, Jesus, Andrew went and found a little boy. He found a little boy. This little boy is insignificant if you think about it. He has no name. We don't know his name. He has no history. We don't know where he come from and we don't know where he went. But all I know is Andrew, instead of sitting around and trying to count numbers and figure out where they could buy and how they could buy, he said, I'm just going to go. I, maybe he thought back to when he went and found Peter. And he thought, I didn't think Peter would even come. I thought he, I didn't think Simon would even come. But sure enough, he came. And now look at him. He's one of, he's the spokesperson for the 12. And whether we like it or not, he's always the one that speaks. And listen, and maybe Andrew said, hey, I, I can't do anything about it. But I go find a little boy. This little boy's got a lunch, and maybe God, maybe God can use it. Amen. Amen. You see, the Lord already had everything the multitudes needed in the bag of that little boy. Amen. But Ty, if Andrew had never have found him, they would all still be hungry. I want to ask you something. Why are we not going and finding the boy? Boy, it got quiet. John R. Rice, John R. Rice said you could preach on prayer, tithing, and soul winning. And that's guaranteed not to get an amen. He was right. But the truth of the matter is that Andrew was a finder. I, listen to me. I mean, if you looked at this little boy and you looked at this little lunch, you would have said, what? And, and, that's, and by the way, Andrew's not some pillar of the faith either because he's the one that asked the question, what are they among so many? But you know what they were? They were more than enough. But they were just, listen, there were more than enough. There was a boy that was found and unburdened. When I think about the young people in our nation that are being in and being pushed and, and persuaded to run away from God. It is time that we find them and we fetch them and bring them to the Lord. Amen. This little boy, he sought the master. You say, what do you mean? You can't make a boy. Andrew invited him, but he had to come. This little boy, he surrendered the meal. He didn't have much, but he gave Jesus everything he had. By the way, he was hungry too. He was hungry too. He put the needs of others in front of his own needs. He was scorned by man. Andrew said, what are they among so many? But he saw a miracle. Now follow this. Ty, have you ever met a little boy? Come here, Drew. Put your Bible down. Now Drew's a boy. He's young, but he's not very little. Come here. You see them boats? He's wearing a 13 now in fourth, in fourth grade. Now, I know something about hungry boys. Don't I, Drew? Yeah. Now, Drew, if I were to have two little fishes, I'm talking about like that, and five pieces of bread, five little wafers, would you call that a meal? 
Or would you call that a snack? A snack. A snack. <laughs> this boy, you could get the admiral's face and he'd call it a snack. But so, so follow me. Listen, Drew. Come over here with me. Now, in verse number 11, it says, And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. And then in verse number 12, when they were filled. Amen. Do you see that? Do you think the little boy got to eat too? Now follow me. He gave just a little snack. But he got back a full meal. Amen. He, all he had was enough just to get him by. I don't know if it was mama that packed the lunch. I don't know if it was granny. I don't know if it was daddy. Maybe he went there before he left and said, I better throw something together. I better. I mean, Dylan's the greatest lunch packer there's ever been. He brings enough food every day to feed me and him and, and, and everybody else we meet along the way. But, but listen, maybe, maybe the little boy got just enough to get through. But when he gave what he had to the Lord, the Lord gave him back more than he gave him. Yeah. Amen. And we're so worried about our little five loaves and our little two fishes. If we just lay it down and let it go, the Lord would give us more Amen. than that little snack could ever do for us. Amen. Mm, the boy that was found, the baskets that were filled, it says in verse, and when they were filled, he says, disciples gather up the fragments that nothing remained. The baskets that were filled, there was no want. It says in verse 11, as much as they would. Listen to this. Coming in for a landing. Houston, we're coming in for a landing. Brother Jason, as long as they held out their hand, it was filled. As long as they held out their hand, they were filled. They kept breaking and they kept giving. They kept breaking and they kept giving. And Brother Ty, you know when the bread and the fish stopped is when the hands was dropped. And you know this morning, as long as we're hungry, as long as we've got faith, do you know by extending their hand, they were exercising faith. They were putting faith in the Lord and His ability. And every time, as long, as long as they held out their hand, He would fill it. And listen to me, I can tell you, uh, 21 years almost, I've been holding my hand out. After I, and listen, the Lord's never failed once to fill it and to give me more than I could ever have. Amen. But when we withdraw our hand, the blessings stop and the miracles cease. There was no waste. It says in verse 12 that nothing be lost. We don't need to waste the blessings of God. One of the hardest things for a preacher or pastor is to see people wasting blessings that God's given them. Wasting their talents. Brother David, you know this. I've always seen this, and I believe you'll probably say the same. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But the devil always sends his best after God's best. Yeah. And the most talented and the most gifted in the church, these young ones, the devil's going to send the very best he's got. 
And it's so sad to watch them waste those talents and those gifts and those blessings. And there, the Lord said, I don't want anything to be lost. He said, gather it up. I put it in the basket. I put it in the, I put it in the boat. We're going to need it. You see why? Why were they going to need it? Because listen to this. In just a few moments, they were going to be in the middle of the biggest storm they had ever been in their life. And by the way, there were 12 baskets. One for each disciple. And I believe the reason he said put it in the boat so when that wind got to blowing and the rain started falling and the boat got to rocket, they could look at that basket and say he's done it before. He'll do it again. If he can do that, he can handle this. Listen this morning. Let us not waste the blessings of God. Let us not. You see, he was not only giving them what they needed then, but he was giving them what they was going to need in the future. Amen. I've had people tell you hear all kinds of things when you're the preacher and you're the one standing at the back door. I've had people say that was good, but it really wasn't for me. Yeah. That's exactly what a preacher wants to hear after after he gets done preaching. I had one one time say, Well, I've heard you do better, but it was still pretty good. <laughs> you know, really encouraging words. I heard one one time said, Have you ever heard Brother So and so preach on that? I said, no, I ain't. They said, you need to listen to him. Yeah. I'm serious. That's fine. That's fine. But you know what you're doing when you waste? When you leave the fragments behind and you don't fill up your basket, you know what you're doing? You're handcuffing yourself for the future. Because I believe every time the Bible's open, and the Word of God's taught you kids in Sunday school. You don't be don't be a hateful know-it-all and well, teacher. They don't listen. You better soak it up. You better listen to every word, Clayton, because you know I'm 37 year old and I'm still gleaning from what my Sunday school teachers taught me. Miss Nash, uh, Miss Nash, and Miss Thigpen. I mean, when I was a little boy, I'm still my grandma. She'd sit us down in bed at night and read us the story of David and Goliath and all. And this one right here, this story I've heard in my whole. What I'm saying is, don't let it waste because you're gonna need you're gonna need that basket one day. Amen. Amen. There was no want when the baskets were filled. They had as much as they wanted. You know what? You'll be as close to God as you want to be. If you really want to be close to Him, you can. There was no waste. Nothing lost. And there was no wondering. There was no wondering. You say, what do you mean? It says in verse 13 that... He re- there remained over and above unto them that had eaten. There was no wondering. You see, in verses five and verse or verse six and seven and nine, Peter and Philip they're asking all these questions. What are, you know, Lord, two hundred penny worth. Where are we going to buy? Then Andrew he's saying, "What are they amongst me?" I mean, Andrew doubted the very one he brought to Jesus, but st- at least he brought him to Jesus. You know about Andrew? Andrew didn't write any books of the Bible. Andrew said very little. But you know what Andrew was? He was a doer and not a talker. But, but Ty, once they loaded them baskets, once they filled the boat, they had no more questions. They said, we know. We know. And this morning, this morning I ask you this, what are we among so many? So many burdens. So many problems. 
So many questions, so many troubles, so many trials, so many problems in the world today. What are we among so many? I mean, what's this little church? I'll tell you what we are. If we'll put ourselves in the hand of the Lord, we're enough to do great and mighty things. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning, you're lost, and you wonder, what am I? I'll tell you what you are. You're loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Think about this. Jesus was there the day that little boy was born. And he knew one day that boy, maybe his mama wondered, I wonder if God's ever going to do anything with my son. I wonder if he's ever going to, I wonder what's, and, and the day the boy was born, Jesus said one day, he's going to bring me his lunch. He's going to give me his lunch and I'm going to perform a miracle, perhaps the most notable miracle of the life of Christ. The most recognized, the most remembered, the great one, the greatest of all the miracles when the Lord took a little boy with five pieces of bread, two little fishes, and blessed it and broke it and fed a great number. What I'm saying is we may seem like nothing and we are. We may seem like we have no answers and we don't. But thank God if we'll just surrender it all to Him, He can take it. And then do marvelous things with it. And if I didn't believe that, I'd leave today and you'd never see me again. As my daddy says, I'd get an honest job. (laughs) I don't think he understands how he's insulting me when he says that. (laughs) Like, is this a dishonest job? But anyhow. But what are we? What are we among so many? What are these little boys among so many? For every boy, Brother David, that's on the front row of the Bible believing church, there's 10,000 that don't even know God and have no use for God. For every little girl that's being raised in a home with a mom and dad and, and a family and a, and a Christian a Christian environment and a home. And you girls, you ought to thank God. You've got family. You've got parents. You've got people there that love you. But for everyone that's like this, there's a thousand out there that there's no rules. There's no. There's nothing. They do as they please. They're, they're on the Instagram posting, posting solicit pictures and, and they're getting they're, they're on there. I mean, they're doing what they want. Acting as they want, going as they want. And what are they among so many? I tell you what, they are. They're enough for Jesus to do great and mighty things. Drew, you're my own son. You're my only son. And I tell you this all the time, but God can do more with your life than you can ever imagine. My biggest dreams, Drew, for you are nothing compared to what God can actually do with your life. It goes the same for each one of you boys. And parents, does it ever feel like, why do I even try? What are we among so many? What are we among so many? But when old Andrew was toting his basket to the boat, he knew, he knew what they were. 